Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you so much for joining us. We always appreciate it. I hope you're having a good day. Coming up on our program today, you'll hear from Jim Baer, President and CEO of the U.S. Apple Association. We're going to talk ag labor. You'll hear from Todd Holtman, DTN's lead analyst. We'll talk markets. And we'll talk with Charlie Arnott, CEO for the Center for Food Integrity. We're going to talk about gene editing. All that coming up on today's program today a special day our third anniversary for aoa that's right three years ago today we went on the air with adams on agriculture it has been a fast three years and a very enjoyable three years it's been so good to see the growth in the program i want to thank all of our affiliates i want to thank our uh, our listeners the response has been great sponsor uh, sponsor reaction and, and uh, support has been great. We appreciate it. And we want to thank all of our guests that come on each day to help give you the best information we can about what's going on in agriculture. And a big thanks uh, to my boss, Lance Knudsen, who uh, had the idea for this, put it all together, and has been just shown such great support in making it happen. My thanks to him and all the folks at the American Ag Network. And I want to thank folks like our first guest, Phil Brasher. From the beginning, AgriPulse and their great team has been a part of our team and our lineup here on AOA. Phil, thank you for joining us. I tell you, it, it, three years goes, goes quickly. I just It's almost hard to believe looking back on it. <laughs> and then we lose him right off the bat. So, okay. But it ha- we appreciate all of you who have, who have made this program a success. And again, the response and uh, the reception and reaction has been uh, very, very uh, positive and, and gratifying. Really do appreciate it. So, uh, yeah, three years ago today, we went on the air. Well, as I said, we have a lot to talk about on today's program. I um, want to get an up-to-date on where we are with the stimulus package and uh, what it could mean for agriculture and we'll check in with Phil Brasher here in just a moment when we uh, get that lined out and touch again on this ag labor situation is a huge issue and it's not just for uh, producers it's for consumers as well it affects uh, food availability it certainly affects the price of food so we want to talk more about that with Jim Baer the president and CEO of U.S. Apple Association uh, we have more government uh, USDA numbers coming out next week, so we want to preview that with Todd Holtman, DTN analyst, and uh, see where he thinks we're going with these markets. And gene editing is uh, is something we've been talking about for some time, uh, getting uh, folks to how they perceive it and uh, get the public exception, consumer ex- ex- acceptance of it. Uh, we're going to talk about that with Charlie Arnott, CEO for the uh, Center for Food Integrity. All right, Phil Brasher back with us with AgriPulse Communications. Phil, I was saying three years ago we started the show um, and from the get-go, all three years, your team at AgriPulse has been a big part of what we do here at AOA. And just want to thank you and Sarah and Spencer and all the folks there uh, for being part of what we're doing here. Yeah, great to be here. Always love to. So 
three years has gone quickly. We've seen a lot of changes, haven't we, in agriculture in three years? We're seeing a lot of changes in the last uh, couple, three months, for that matter. Uh, where are we with this stimulus package in Congress? Are we going? Are we getting anywhere close on this? Yes, we are. We're we're getting closer. Uh, of course, it passed the House uh, a week ago uh, in the dead of night. Uh, it's, it's, so it's over to the Senate. Uh, Senate Democrats, uh, not really, Republicans, are not really involved in this process, as you know. Senate Democrats have been negotiating uh, among themselves some uh, additional uh, changes. They uh, uh, put a limit, uh, lowered the limit on these uh, $1,400 direct payments. Uh, very important to our, uh, to rural America. Uh, there were some senators uh, led by Angus King from Maine who were pushing, who've been pushing for uh, putting some broadband funding in this bill. Now there's there's an expectation that that will be part of an infrastructure package later on. Last night, we, we got the first look at the language, and what they did is interesting. There's um, over $300 billion in this bill for state and local uh, governments. And they added some language that allows uh, that funding to be used for water, sewer, and broadband. Uh, very, very broad, no limits uh, on, on, you know, no language. That will have to be worked out by the administration, but... Uh, they did. Uh, they did it. Did make uh, allowance uh, that that money could be used for uh, broadband. So even though Republicans may not vote for this, they are pushing uh, for and getting some changes in it, though. Well, they are. They're. They're going to. Yeah, they're going to bring up. Uh, they're hoping to bring up a whole series of amendments, uh, basically. Uh, to, uh, I think, to highlight what uh, they think is wrong with the bill. They think it's uh, way too much, uh, way is not as focused, focused on the pandemic as, sh- as it should be. Um, and so they're going to be putting up a lot of amendments. Uh, you'll probably see them, you know, uh, you know, limits to redirect spending, to restrict spending, put it into things that... Uh, things that they think will be attractive, uh, more attractive to voters. Democrats will undoubtedly, uh, presumably, <laughs> vote these amendments down. But Democrats, but Republicans would uh, get, get their chance to make a point. Uh, about it doesn't sound like there's a lot of it there between the two parties. So, but the Democrats should be able to. We'll probably be able to get that through if uh, with holding the majority. So we'll see how that plays yeah. out. Meanwhile, you don't have to go back. Our U.S. Trade Representative. Yeah. Uh, you broke up a little bit there uh, for me, but I assume you were asking about Catherine Ty, the uh, U.S. Trade represent- nominee for U.S. Trade Representative. Um, the uh, uh, Senate Finance, uh, sh- she's. Uh, Sailing through at this uh, at this point, we don't expect any problem with her getting confirmed, and ultimately with Michael Regan, the nominee for EPA, either. Um, although it could be uh, um, could be a while uh, before he gets his vote. Okay, so we'll watch for that. Uh, slowly but surely, we're getting all the people in the key spots uh, in the administration, so we'll wait for that. Well, again, uh, Phil, thank you and your team at uh, AgriPulse. You do such a great job covering all these issues for us, and 
Uh, we look forward to talking with you again soon. Thanks a lot. Okay. Thanks, Mike. All right. Phil Brasher with AgriPulse Communications. So um, there uh, despite the Republican uh, concerns, uh, it looks like it'll go through on a party-line vote, but they're still hammering out the final details. We'll keep a close eye on it and uh, keep a close watch on what's in it for agriculture. Up next, uh, the reintroduction of a bill that would address some concerns and hopefully make some improvements in the H-2A visa program. We'll talk about it right here on A. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. A cold front can slow the world to a crawl, but with Cenex Premium Diesel, your fleet can power through. Cenex Roadmaster XL Seasonally Enhanced comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, optimizing cold weather performance over typical number two diesel. So rather than complaining about the cold, own it with Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Egg retailers, co-ops, and custom applicators have enormous productivity requirements. With thousands of acres of fertilizer to apply in a short window of time, they don't have time to make mistakes in the field. Intelligent Ag's Recon SpreadSense is the first ag technology that monitors the flow of product on floaters. The technology identifies flow issues to avoid streaks in the field that can hurt yield potential. Reduce the risk of misapplication by investing in Recon SpreadSense. Never doubt what you're putting out. Visit IntelligentAg.com to learn more. Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online. I've been farming my whole life. I don't need somebody to come out here and state the obvious. I don't need anybody to explain my farm to me. My local co-op works with CHS, and they know what I need when I need it. A global network of support. Local expertise. And valuable market options. We need a co-op that's here for us. So we can own every day. When you're an owner of a local cooperative connected to CHS, you get local expertise, a proven efficient supply chain, and global market access. Learn more at cooperativeownership.com. What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans, and if left untreated, can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy, and productive lives. But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice U.S. 
For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, we talked about this some yesterday, but I want to get more reaction to the reintroduction of the Farm Workforce Modernization Act. Obviously, ag labor is a huge issue. We talk about it quite a bit. This could be a step towards making some improvements to the H-2A visa program that's so critical to the ag labor force. Let's talk about it now with Jim Baer, president and CEO of the U.S. Apple Association. Jim, thanks for joining us. Um, Your thoughts on the reintroduction of this act? You bet, Mike. Good to be with you. You know, you and I have talked about this before, that ag needs a stable and predictable supply of labor. And this bill, even though people said it was impossible, it wouldn't happen. It got passed in December of 2019. And that passage was made possible by support from everybody in the House of Representatives from conservative Republicans to liberal Democrats, and it was really quite remarkable. But a session of Congress last two years and bills that haven't been passed die and the the work starts over. So we're in a new session of Congress after the election, and uh, so the House is reintroducing this bill with the same original co-sponsors and they're putting it on a fast track and hopefully we'll get it uh, passed through the house by april 1st then the attention will move to the senate and uh you know last year the senate was set to take the bill up and then of course covid hit and among all the other impacts um that that really slammed the brakes on any legislation that wasn't uh germane to dealing with the covid so that's why we're in this situation but we have confidence. We're we're excited. Got close before, as you said, and then it didn't quite get across the finish line. Uh, so you sound optimistic that this time, barring something like COVID popping up, that perhaps you can push it across. Well, we know it's it's too important to not get it done. We've been working on this for for many many years, and you mentioned uh, in your info the. H-2A visa program, it's the only legal means for agriculture to bring in uh, foreign-born labor, and the the demand for those H-2A visas has doubled in five years, and uh, we expect it to continue to to really grow, and it's the only legal means. Um, So the bill would do two things. One, it would streamline that H-2A process, which is very cumbersome and very expensive, and I know your listeners all understand cumbersome and expensive government regulations, but it would also deal with those workers who are here on, uh, that are undocumented or falsely documented currently, uh, would allow them an opportunity to get right with the law, pay a fine, start paying taxes, uh, you know, as, as an authorized workforce, and, uh, you know, try to bring those people out of the dark and get them as fully functioning members of the agriculture economy. We're talking with Jim Baer, president and CEO of the U.S. Apple Association. Jim, we talk so much about trade, which is obviously very important. We have to sell our, our products. Sometimes, though, I think we just take for granted that we'll have the, the products to sell. And if you don't have the labor, 
that's not going to be the case. You're not going to have uh, the product, or at least not as much, to sell. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, we know that the the jobs in um, in specialty crops that are using these uh, foreign-born workers for every job in our industry creates three to four jobs in the rural communities, and you see that up and down Main Street in the in the rural communities that you uh, that you travel in, and and uh, so we know that it's actually a net job creator. And from our standpoint, you know, I mean, I talk to people all the time in the industry who say they had to leave, uh, you know, $100,000, $200,000 worth of apples on the trees to rot because they couldn't get people to pick them. And uh, as, a, as an old farm boy myself, I find that offensive. I, I, I hate the fact that a farmer would spend all year growing his product and then not be able to get it to market. Um, so... Yeah, the labor is uh, the labor is, is needed, and uh, from our standpoint, we believe we can either uh, import the fruit and vegetables, or we can import the labor. But with all the natural efficiencies and advantages that the U.S. has in farm country, we think it makes more sense to grow the food here and import the labor when necessary. Hard to get bipartisan support for anything these days, but does this have bipartisan support? It does, and that's that's remarkable. I, the, the, the co-sponsors of the 2019 bill, and and, uh, and the bill was just introduced, so that's all falling into place. But the two original co-sponsors are uh, Congressman Dan Newhouse, who's a conservative Republican from the Yakima Valley agriculture heartland of Washington State, and his counterpart is Zoe Lofgren, who's a liberal Democrat from California. You probably couldn't pick two people more uh, at opposite ends of the political spectrum on most things, but on this one they are united, and we think that's great, and we're looking to bring on the same uh, co-sponsors as the 2019 bill enjoyed, and that included, again, some you know really liberal Democrats and some of the most conservative Republicans. It was, it was remarkable, and as you say, that doesn't happen very much. It used to happen a lot more. I've been at this a long time, and used to happen a lot more, but it doesn't happen very much anymore, but I'm glad to see it on this one. This, of course, at a time when the immigration issue is becoming more and more front and center again, with a lot of issues on the border. Uh, this is a very uh, emotional issue. It's a national security issue. It's a very much a political issue. Uh, we know the efforts to get a comprehensive immigration bill always seem to get bogged down. Uh, Perhaps this is a way to cut through and deal with a specific area such as ag labor that really needs attention. Yeah, immigration's in the news every day, isn't it, Mike? Uh, we haven't had a comprehensive immigration reform since Ronald Reagan was president. And obviously our society has changed. Certainly our agricultural economy has changed. And we really need to update that. And, and, but that's just a small picture, excuse me, a small part of the much bigger picture of immigration. And, you know, we, we try to keep ag labor needs separate from the issues of border uh, protection and, and the dreamer kids that were brought here when they were infants and, and so forth. But it's hard to it's hard to keep them separate because people hear the word immigration and, you know, everybody's got their opinion already made up. And that's part of what we're trying to do is just educate people and say, look, you know, whatever you decide to do on the bigger picture of immigration, um, let's talk over here and try to carve out a, 
uh, you know, some progress and improvements for ag labor. And if it's, you know, if, if we just happen to be in the sweet spot here, the right place at the right time in a bigger immigration debate and we can get this done for ag labor, then, then so much the better. But yeah, it's a, it's a hot topic. Everybody's got an opinion and a lot of it's based on, on false information. But what we do know for sure is that ag needs that labor. Uh, it's our number one expense. You know, a lot of your listeners who you produce row crops, they know that their critical costs are land and equipment, but for specialty crops, it's, it's all labor, hand labor. So uh, we, we know that it's, we know that it's absolutely critical and, and we're, we're hopeful. You can't be in agriculture and I say be optimistic. Like, yeah, I, I say this a lot whenever the immigration issue, when we're talking about immigration, I always come back to this. We shouldn't let our inability to do everything keep us from doing something. And here's a case where we can do something on the ag labor front, and hopefully it will get done. Real quick, your outlook for the apple industry for this year? Well, we're hoping to get back a little bit more towards normal. When COVID hit, we the exports, which is a third of our production goes to export, that all kind of uh, had the brakes pumped. And then uh, school lunch program is a major outlet for a lot of apples. And when schools stopped meeting in person, uh, we lost that. So it could have been a lot worse than it was. We're hanging on by our fingernails, but we're hoping 2021 is going to get us back into a more normal routine, and we look forward to that as everybody does. Real quick, as we wrap it up, what's the most popular apple right now? Well, right now it's the it's the Gala. Uh, the old uh, Red Delicious, which was the most popular for decades, is sliding out, and newer, better varieties are coming in, and Honeycrisp tops that list and probably within a year or two honeycrisp will be number one always always interesting to see what's on top there but whatever kind you like enjoy some apples right absolutely mike thanks for the interest good to talk to you jim take care jim bear president and ceo of the u.s apple association this whole immigration issue in general is huge for our country and for ag in particular, this ag labor issue. We've talked about it for some time. It is, uh, it's really critical. And perhaps this bill that uh, they're working on, we just talked about with Jim, another attempt to getting it through, maybe it can really help the situation. We hope so. Up next, lots to talk about with markets. Todd Holtman, lead analyst for DTN, up next on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Progressive Farmer knows you need content delivered on multiple platforms, so it's available when you want it. That's why we've created our weekly podcast, Field Posts, to bring you convenient and easy-to-listen-to interviews on key topics and trends. Join me, Sarah Mock, as I interview some of agriculture's best thoughts. You'll have a front row seat to learn what's happening in agriculture today. You can view our library of podcasts and upcoming topics by going to dtnpf.com backslash field posts. Every Tuesday, we'll be sitting around the table, sponsored by CHS. Join us and learn how CHS creates the vital connections that empower agriculture, helping farmers and ranchers like you succeed. We'll hear from different voices from throughout the cooperative system sharing stories about how good things happen 
when people work together. Join us around the table every Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. This has been a week of choppy trade across all markets. Crop markets continue to move in a mostly sideways pattern. Corn remains below the green line 20-day moving average on the lower side of its trade range, while soybeans are firmly above the green line near the upper side of their range. On the Board of Trade, May corn trading eight and a fraction higher at 540 and three quarters. The July contract up eight cents at 530 and a half cents. For soybeans, the May contract up 18 and a half cent at 14.29. The July contract up 17 and a fraction at 14.12 and a fraction. For the wheat, Chicago wheat May up two cents at 6.53. Kansas City wheat May up two and a half cent at 6.23 and a half cent. Minneapolis spring wheat May up a penny and a fraction at 6.44 and three quarters. The July contract up a penny and a fraction at 6.51. Cattle futures just could not get going Thursday as the market seemed to be in a more bearish grip. Traders have not yet felt confident in buying the break as underlining cash does not support it. Hog futures are holding well, but the markets may be getting tired. This has indicated the futures moving somewhat sideways over the past week. Looking at futures on the Board of Trade, April lean hogs trading 22 cents higher at 118.77. The June contract up 30 at 117.27. For feeder cattle, the March contract down 40 at 143.70. April down 45 at 138.50. For lean hogs, the April contract up 7 cents at 87.50. The May contract unchanged at 89.40. In the outside markets, the Dow is up 241 points, the Nasdaq Composite down 5 points, the S&P 500 up 20, crude oil in New York, the April contract up to 13 at 65.96 per barrel. The U.S. dollar is trending higher. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Egg Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. You may not realize how important three letters can be. For a patient who needs type A, B, or O blood, these letters can mean life. But there simply aren't enough people giving blood. Every two seconds, someone in the U.S. needs it. But only about 3% of the population donates. Without more donors, hospitals may not have the blood needed to save lives. That's why the American Red Cross needs people to help restore the A's, B's, and O's that are depleting each day. When you make your appointment to donate blood at redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types, you can help give strength to kids parents, and grandparents who face life and death challenges. From cancer patients to accident survivors waiting for critical surgeries, your generosity can give someone more life. Don't wait until the letters A, B, and O are missing from hospital shelves. You are the missing type patients need. Visit redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types or call 1-800-RED-CROSS to make your donation appointment today. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. I mentioned at the beginning of the show that three years ago today we started AOA and it has been a tremendous run for these three years. really appreciate all the great support uh, 
our affiliate radio stations who carry the show so you can hear it each day. We really appreciate uh, them. And uh, I say each day at start the show, I try to thank you, thank you for joining us because we really do appreciate it. And the stations and you, our listeners and our sponsors, make it all work. Thank you so very, very much. And I mentioned the partners we've developed over the years uh, to help us provide the information to you. And one of those partners is DTN. Always great to work with the folks there, including our next guest, lead analyst for DTN, Todd Holtman. Todd, good to have you back with us. Thank you. Well, Mike, thank you so much. And congratulations on your anniversary. Many, many happy years to go. Thank you very much. Well, we love talking with you about what's going on in the markets. And, you know, before we focus on uh, things like acres and what China's buying or not buying, uh, I want to talk a little bit about the dollar and what should we be watching there and its impact on our ag markets. Yes. Well, uh, if anyone's been paying attention lately, the dollar has started moving up. Uh, Yesterday, uh, this will be a little bit meaningful to some technicians. It closed above the 100-day average for the first time since May of 2020. So we're seeing a change in the the meaningful trend of the dollar. Uh, Now, the, the excuse for yesterday's increase was related to some comments at a luncheon by Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell. He talked about the Fed staying uh, basically patient or accommodative, uh, even if uh, inflation starts to become a bit of a concern. The Fed is going to be willing to allow a little bit more moderate inflation than they have in the past. Uh, Now, textbook-wise, that uh, wouldn't necessarily translate. That wouldn't explain uh, the higher dollar. But it has uh, gotten the market to uh, price Treasury bonds and Treasury notes Uh, differently. So those interest rates are going up, and that uh, lent some support to the dollar. In the bigger picture, beyond just those comments yesterday, we do have a a much better economic outlook this year ahead, not only for the U.S., but all around the world. Economies are starting to come back from last year's pandemic, and I think that's the real news that's uh, supporting the higher dollar here. Now, back to agriculture, typically a higher dollar Uh, makes our exports more expensive and more difficult uh, to convince others to take. In this case, uh, wheat is the one most sensitive to that uh, currency competition. So we'll watch that moving forward. We're also watching, always trying to get news out of China, which can be difficult. Uh, But we know they're always talking about uh, being more self-sufficient and they're going to produce more and, and, uh, you know, feed their, use their own uh, resources to feed their people. But we know they can't do that. They just have so many people. Uh, But what do you make of these latest reports out of of what they're trying to do domestically and how that could impact what they'll want to buy or need to buy moving forward? Yes. Well, as you say, you know, there's the best laid plans and then there's the reality of what can actually be done. And uh, of course, I guess we're all subject to to those kinds of challenges. But it sounds like China is trying to uh, expand their corn acres uh, this year. They they uh, you know, they've gone from not that long ago talking about having a big overhang of uh, large old corn supplies. And of course, this year, in the past 12 months, it's been revealed that uh, they're much shorter on corn for feed needs uh, than they have been in a long time. So that's explained a lot of the big imports we've seen. So they are going to evidently make an attempt to try to grow more corn. Of course, like the rest of us, they're going to need cooperative weather and all that. But as you say, the big problem is 
uh, they simply don't have the fertile land mass to do everything they'd like to do to feed their people. So if they're increasing corn, that means that they're still limiting their soybean acres, and soybeans are where they really uh, seem to be most dependent uh, on Brazil and the U.S. Uh, to supply those needs. But I think uh, the bottom line is I don't think they'll be able to produce enough corn again this year. I think they're, they're going to be uh, another uh, good importer for us in the next 12 months ahead. Talking with DTN lead analyst Todd Holtman. All right, Todd, take us to South America. What are you hearing down there as far as the weather, as far as getting uh, soybeans out and corn in? <laughs> you know, the story's been much the same uh, for the past several weeks and maybe even months. Uh, we still see this continuous forecast of heavy rainfall across se- central Brazil. It's making harvest very difficult. Uh, so far, it sounds like the latest numbers were roughly 25% harvested, uh, which puts Brazil about three weeks uh, slower than their normal uh, pace. And of course, uh, if they don't harvest those beans, they can't plant the corn. Uh, and, and so uh, it's pushing corn planting season into a very uncomfortable spot of uh, having to be planted late, and it, it makes them more vulnerable to hotter, drier uh, temperatures at pollination. So um, the, the progress is slow. The forecast has not been helpful for central Brazil. And to the south, to, in the southern Brazil and uh, Argentina areas, uh, the forecast has just been very light uh, rain amounts. And we continue to see signs of crop deterioration in Argentina. Uh, we're probably going to see some lower crop estimates for them in the next week or two ahead. That sounds supportive for bean prices. Yes, ab- absolutely. And, it, you know, it, and it's not like being needed more bullish news uh, to help prices. <laughs> we still have a very tight supply situation here in the U.S. that's not going away anytime soon. What about running out of soybeans? Uh, we, we see that from time to time. We have to import from South America. What do you see happening this year? Yeah, I, I think we're probably going to be put in a spot where we do have to uh, import more soybeans than USDA is currently anticipating on the balance sheet. I think they're at 35 million bushels. Uh, the number could be twice that or even a little more, mm-hmm. I think, by the time things are all said and done. And the reason I say that is because we just haven't seen good signs of our supplies being rationed yet. Crush activity remains very active. Uh, crushers have shown that they're Uh, very concerned about having supplies for end users this summer. So they've been very busy crushing beans. And uh, while the export sales have dropped off somewhat, uh, they're still already very close to USDA's export estimate for the season. So there's going to be constant pressure for USDA to increase that export estimate in the months ahead. This could get very interesting this year. Uh, Numbers coming out next week. What should we be watching for from USDA? You know, uh, for once on the U.S. balance sheet side, I think things are going to be quite tame. Uh, probably just show very slight reductions, if anything, in corn and soybeans, maybe no reduction uh, of Indian stocks in wheat. So uh, I, I don't see anything significant there. Uh, the international numbers, we're going to be looking at new crop estimates for Brazil and Argentina on the corn and bean front. And, of course, we'll note if USDA has any changes or comments about China's uh, demand situation. 
if there is uh, one topic that has been slightly bearish here early in 2021, I could mention, there has been uh, more mention of African swine fever coming back to uh, China and causing problems with their, their hog expansion plans uh, again here. Uh, and, and we're seeing some slight, uh, signs of weakness in the soybean meal market, I think, related to those concerns. In the end, I don't think that's going to be a, a big hurdle or, or big bearish problem for prices. But in the past month or so, it, it seems like it's uh, put a little bit of chill on the market. Something to keep an eye on for sure. I guess the next big report we'll be focused on will be at the end of the month with the planning intentions report. Yes. And, you know, uh, people kid me because these quarterly grain stocks report often have uh, no big price impact necessarily on the day of the report. But from my viewpoint, uh, it's one of the most important reports USDA does and gives us the most helpful information about how uh, demand is actually doing. And, you know, in the case here of soybeans, especially where things are tight and China has been so aggressive. They've already exported. They've shipped out 96% of their known sales already. Uh, I think that soybean uh, quarterly number is going to be very important and uh, could come in lower than expected. And we watch, uh, we're working off that 92.90 on uh, acres uh, we got from the Outlook Forum. You think we're going to be right around there? What, what are you thinking? Yeah, uh, that was very close. Uh, my my initial guess, or my guess still, uh, I guess it started early in the year at 90 each for both. Now I'm up to 92 each uh, for both, just because uh, the prices are giving us such good incentive. We've seen more appreciation since the Outlook Forum in the new crop prices. We've seen a nice increase. Those continue to keep working steadily higher. I don't see any rush in this environment or situation for farmers to run out and price new crop grain just yet, uh, especially with the weather concerns that we're going to have uh, coming up. So I'm, I'm penciling in 92 million acres each to start the year. And I'll tell you, if if soybeans are 90 million acres or less, I'm not sure. Uh, we're, we're just going to have a super tight situation going into the new crop season again. Yeah, it's going to be a fascinating year. I said just yesterday, strap on the seatbelts, right? It could be a wild ride. Yes, absolutely. And and seasonally, usually May 1 is the date that you want to be buckled in by because that, that's when things start to perk up. Well, we'll, uh, we'll check in with you a lot, uh, usually every week, to keep up to date on where the ride's taking us. Todd, always good to talk with you. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Mike. My pleasure. Take care. Todd Holtman, DTN Lead Analyst. All right, up next, the CEO for the Center for Food Integrity. We're going to talk gene editing next on AOA. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Let's talk about how to separate. First, use different cutting boards for meat, poultry, seafood, and veggies. Raw meat should never touch food that won't be cooked. 
Then, always keep raw meat, poultry, seafood, and their juices away from other foods in the shopping cart. And store raw meat, poultry, and seafood in a container or on a plate in the fridge so juices won't drip on other foods. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean, separate, cook, and chill. For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. Hey, Dad. Your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad. Your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad? Your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey, why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can, making sure they're safe and comfortable. But it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance, care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. You're there for them. We're here for you. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. That's aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Every Tuesday, we're sitting around the table, sponsored by CHS, where we'll be talking with folks from throughout the cooperative system. Join us as we discover what makes cooperatives unique when there are more options to do business with than ever before. We'll learn how farmers and ranchers like you benefit from a system where decisions are made by the members that own it. Tune in every Tuesday for Around the Table or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. For more than 135 years, the editors of Progressive Farmer have provided generations of farmers and ranchers with the information they need and trust to make informed and profitable decisions. We know you need that content delivered on multiple platforms, so it's available when you want it. That's why we created our weekly podcast called Field Posts. Join me, Sarah Mock, each week as I interview agriculture's top thought leaders as well as farming's most diverse team of editors at Progressive Farmer and DTN on a wide range of subject matter. From farm policy and crop production to finances, technology, and so much more, you'll have a front row seat to learn and engage in what's happening in agriculture today. You can find the podcast listed on all your favorite podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, or by visiting our website at DTNPF. A cold front can slow the world to a crawl, but with Cenex Premium Diesel, your fleet can power through. Cenex Roadmaster XL Seasonally Enhanced comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, optimizing cold weather performance over typical number two diesel. So rather than complaining about the cold, own it with Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around.
Recently, on Adams on Agriculture, Allison Crittenden, Director of Congressional Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation. What specifically would agriculture like to see done with the H-2A program? The first thing is making sure that the program is affordable for farmers to use. Um, in addition to having to pay the adverse effect wage rate, um, which you adjust, we just figured out the numbers for 2021. And on a national basis, they were gone up 4.5%, but in you know, some regions, that number has gone up you know over 6%. So one, making sure the program's affordable, figuring out a wage methodology that still enables farmers to remain competitive and stay in business and continue to employ individuals. And also looking at, you know, ensuring that the H-2A program is available for all kinds of agriculture. The program is limited to only seasonal and temporary work. So those in dairy or livestock or greenhouse industries, mushrooms, they're not able to use the program. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Always enjoy our conversations with Charlie Arnott, CEO of the Center for Food Integrity. Charlie, good to have you back with us. I want to circle back on a topic that we have talked about before, and that is gene editing and the potential, the promise of it, but the challenge of getting public support for this technology. We have seen through the GMO uh, issues what headwinds you can face if you don't have public support. Where are we with gene editing and and educating the public about its benefits? Great question, Mike. Always a pleasure to be with you as well. I think we're making real progress. I'm, I'm very optimistic about the potential for gene editing to make a meaningful difference for farmers, for all of agriculture, for the food system, and for society at large. And we're beginning to see a greater appreciation from a wider range of stakeholders about that potential. Uh, food companies who are realizing that having a resilient supply chain in light of climate change is in their interest and that gene editing is a tool that can provide that opportunity. And the broader public that understands that gene editing is being used in human medicine uh, to provide opportunities for advanced vaccines, to treat sickle cell, uh, to treat a number of other diseases, and an understanding that the benefits of gene editing uh, this time are going to accrue more towards society and not just to agriculture. And I think all of those things combined are coming together to create a different opportunity for social acceptance than we saw with traditional biotech. And so we're excited about that opportunity. We continue to to generate additional interest from a wide range of food system stakeholders and others in the supply chain uh, that are beginning to appreciate uh, the need they have for farmers to deploy technology. And that's an exciting shift from where we've been historically. You know, when we look back at GMOs, it's often been said maybe the mistake made right out of the gate was focusing just on the benefits to farmers and not explaining to consumers the benefits to them. So perhaps we can learn lessons from the past and try not to make the same mistakes. Yeah, I think that's exactly correct. I think what we have to be able to do is to identify what are those larger benefits that that 
consumers care about and are interested in to be supportive of this technology. And clearly, we still have to absolutely focus on the agronomic benefits, whether it's herbicide tolerance or virus resistance or other things that make farmers more productive and more efficient and more more profitable. But we also need to focus on those that, that help make farming more sustainable and have less impact on the environment. And when we when we talk about those and we test the kind of that approach with with consumers, Mike, we get a very very positive response. So when we lead with gene editing being able to provide solutions to human health, and then are able to make the the transition to say, and this is the exact same technology that is making agriculture more sustainable as well. That combination makes a big difference. So there are a couple of illustrations and examples that I can think of. Uh, Pivot Bio being one of them, where they've got the gene-edited microbe that allows for cereal plants like corn uh, to connect and have a symbiotic relationship with the environment where less supplemental fertilizer is needed. Well, that, that's something that people can feel good about. Uh, when you look at, at the PERS-resistant pig that's being developed by PIC, uh, that would result in less animal suffering, less animal disease, less premature death, people can get behind that. It also means that you're not using water and feed for animals that ultimately don't go to market. So there, there are ways to talk about the technology and identify those specific applications that consumers can really understand and begin to support. And it, it's, it's engaging in that conversation where we can talk about the public benefits uh, that people go, oh, okay, now, now I understand the value of that technology to society in general and to the consumer population, and therefore I'm more willing to be accepting of it. You know, it really has never been a question about well, safety, per se. It's been a question about who benefits from it. Yeah, and timing may be right, as you point out. I mean, all the focus now on climate and environment, this might be the perfect time uh, to really uh, get people behind this. I think it will be. The other thing that's an interesting contributor to this is the, the pandemic and the willingness of people to look to technology and to look to advanced biotechnology to find solutions for the pandemic and to uh, the, the adoption of vaccines and the rapid, the rapid development of vaccines and the technology that's used in all of those kinds of processes that, that are benefiting human medicine. So the, the willingness to think about technology differently and how it plays a crucial role in solving broader social problems I think is, is very beneficial as well. And the ones that we know that are, are most, that resonate best with consumers today are uh, reducing agriculture's impact on the environment or improving sustainability, uh, any potential benefits to animals, and then the ability to, to make products that perhaps are more nutritious or have longer shelf life. Those kinds of benefits uh, can be important as well. But the ones that really carry the most weight are those that are tied to improving sustainability and anything that can be beneficial to animal agriculture. You have a webinar coming up this month on this topic. Tell us about it. We do, Mike. We actually will be repeating it three times on March 17th, 18th, and the 23rd. And we're going to be very fortunate to have Ed Anderson with us. He's uh, the executive director of the North Central Soybean Research Program. And so we're going to be talking about the benefits of gene editing. He's going to be providing a little more expertise on some of the specific applications as they they relate to soybean uh, production specifically, what we can do to reduce the environmental footprint, uh, the crops that are resistant to herbicides, enhance soybean nutrition, reduce allergens, improve yield. There's a whole host of of research that's taking place in the soy community about how gene editing can be used to enhance soybean production and soybean farming. And so we'll be focused on that, and we'll also weave in the conversation around 
what can we do, what are we doing to enhance consumer trust in the technology. And so it'll be a great opportunity for farmers to tune in and, and learn more about why gene editing soy is important, what's being done to enhance production and address those challenges, uh, the latest research we have on consumer perception around gene editing. Uh, we've got some very specific approaches in communication to earn consumer trust, and then some specific messages that resonate, and then those that don't. Uh, so it'll be a great opportunity for a have that conversation. We encourage those who are interested to go to foodintegrity.org and register for those webinars. Foodintegrity.org. Check it out. All right, Charlie, good to talk with you. Thank you. Mike, thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Charlie Arnott, CEO for the Center for Food Integrity. That wraps it up. Thank you again for joining us right here on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines.